We've never seen a perfect marriage. But we have seen marriages that are full of laughter and life. Conflict and misunderstandings. Growth and hope. We want to dive into the nuts and bolts of those relationships. There are no experts here. Just real talk with real couples who really like each other. This is Marriage Lab with Aaron. And Fartface. (laughs) (laughs) I said it the best ever. I'm so sorry. Welcome back to Marriage Lab. My voice is still shot, but we want... Oh, this is our season finale. This is, and we're recording our season finale, same place that the last episode was, lakeside around the campfire. And it's also funny because, um, you know, when you're backpacking, you pretty much bring only clothes that you're going to wear. Like, And then you slowly, you put them on slowly as the sun goes down and then you take them off. So I've shed more and more layers, but I had like three pants, five or six shirts on. <laughs> So there's plenty more to shed. I got one pair of pants. One I know. Shirt. I was like shocked, but you were really cold last. Last night it was very cold. He for gave sure. it, but that I should brag on you. You actually gave me a couple more things from my hammock that enabled me to be warmer. And he had a miserable night, and I slept <laughs> like a queen. So that, I actually have felt so much love okay. for you. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, it was definitely worth it. Um, I wanted to lean back. Um, and explain, you know, we talked in the last episode so much about kindness, curiosity of the scientists. And I want to share a story about how that has been so impactful and actually useful and has led to, um, to good, really good things. So, um, we've been engaging the scientists and working. I've been, I've been doing this with Andrew, my counselor for the last year and a half, but it's really starting in the last four months to, to hit me on a deeper level. Would you say that when you say you've been doing this for a year and a half, you mean it trying to be motivated by kindness? Yes. It it took the first six months of counseling to be convinced that shame was not a good motivator. (laughs) Um, And that it was trying, I was trying to use shame for good reasons, essentially like, I don't want to be better. I don't want to do this. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so, but as like over the year, I started practicing it more, finding more benefits. And then, it is so counterintuitive. Um, very counterintuitive. Um, so in this, um, we've been taking a marriage class called Joy Couple, and it's been really great, and we've learned so many good things, but we were in the... It was uh, actually cool because we we took it not because we were in place of pain with yeah. our marriage. It was this decision of like, so one of our friends... Um, got a few of us together so we did it with six of our friend couples mm-hmm. so a little unnerving being like oh it's like mar- group marriage counseling but it wasn't it was more like a group class and coaching mm-hmm. but um it was fun because we ultimately decided we're like we're not in so much pain that we're looking for like open heart surgery it's like we would like almost like going to a chiropractor to get more stretches that you could do at home to maintain health Yeah. rather than when you get in crisis mode. So going into it in that way was so helpful and kind. And I feel like I learned so much more because I wasn't triggered. It was right. like, it almost was whole, the whole thing was led with curiosity rather than like save our marriage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we definitely went into it with a different heart, but um, there was a Friday night. We were going to have our live coaching session with all the people and the the ones leading it on Saturday morning. It was Friday night, and we had planned on watching some of the training videos for that um, that night and having sex. And so 
obviously whenever um whenever we decide we're going to have sex on a certain day my i i constantly am looking forward to it like it comes up in my mind i'm like yes and i just get excited and very anticipatory about it and maybe 50 percent of the time i remember and then 50 percent of the time i'm very much like what's next what's next and i forget and he's like oh yeah sex after the kids get in bed and i'm like yep yep okay yeah <laughs> yeah so it it's just not the same like she's not constantly anticipating it um she's busy she's doing stuff with the kids all day um but i also have learned to not just act like i've forgotten you know be like oh yeah like because i know that would cause you sadness i don't know if you know this. so then like try to like Oh yeah, you forgot, but we talked about it. Like, so don't let him see because that would be dis- sad for him. I appreciate you um, trying to do that. That's nice, uh, kind of you. Um, so uh, you had invited well, one of our friends' kids over to play, and they're all playing, and I'm like, we're we're just like in the zone of having our kids have a good time, cleaning up the house at the same time. And before we knew it, but and this was on me as well. It was eight o'clock. We usually get start bedtime by seven so that the kids can be fully down. We're good to go to leave their room and to be like on our own by eight. So it's eight o'clock and we have a kid, an extra kid there. So I realized at this moment, oh no, we're not going to. We can't do both that watch the training video. Actually, I knew we couldn't do either because the, all the kids would be down by nine and Jenna invol- turn off. Jenna's narcolepsy kicks in at nine o'clock. No, you know what it is? It's because I wake up at 5.15, 5.30 to do my like morning routine. Jenna's natural rhythm kicks in at nine o'clock. Jenna's an early bird. And so um, I she off. literally cannot stay awake <laughs> when... It, so she goes, hey, let's watch TV. Asleep. It's her idea. And within minutes, guaranteed, she will fall asleep. And with these training videos, if we watch them ever late at night, guaranteed. So I was like, we're not going to be able to watch the videos. And we're definitely not having sex. And she could probably rally, but I like... I, want, I might fall asleep while rallying. Yeah, I, I want her to be engaged <laughs> in, in it. So um, anyways, I... I leaned out the door. I was like, Jenna, it's eight o'clock. And you're like, oh, dang, really? Because, you know, the sun's up so long. And I say, we're not going to be able to do either of the things that we plan on tonight. And you're like, and then the realization of what that meant, knowing how I've been anticipating sex all day. I'm actually really looking forward to the training videos as well. Um, and you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Well, can I tell in, in my head in that moment, I think in years past, I maybe would have been like, I disappointed him. Oh no. Oh no. Like he's disappointed. But actually then I felt like I'm just more connected with your pain. I'm like, Oh, like it evoked empathy to be like, Mm. I know that it's going to missing the training video is going to cause anxiety about not being prepared. Cause that really is something that's like a point for him. And then, um, his disappointment of not having sex when he was looking, he had had his, you know, hopes up and he was looking forward to it. Like, so it just feels like, Oh, this is just going to be really sad for Aaron. Mm. And I said, yeah, me, I'm sad. Me too, essentially. And then I walked back in the house and <clears throat> there there was this, what I've heard described as an unarticulated knowing. The unarticulated knowing for me was this very familiar thing of, oh, she feels bad, good. And mm-hmm. she feels like she failed me, good. Okay. And it was like, it's, it was like so soothing. subtle. It was, oh, it was very subtle and it's soothing for me. And so I, I went about, whatever I was doing, but I'm aware of this. I've just never articulated it. Then the next morning, and I I don't even remember the rest of the night really, but the next morning I was thinking about that and um, like, dang, that, that was a bummer. And 
I started to articulate for the first time this knowing that I've always had, which is uh, it feels so good when you feel bad for disappointing me, failing me. I think it's because at some point in the morning before I sat down for the class, I was like, I'm getting to that. Oh, oh is that after? Yeah. After. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm realizing this before you mm. said anything, but then in, um, we had an exercise in the training where we turn muted our mics and uh, cause it's all in zoom and we go back and forth. And then Jenna shares, you shared with me, you're like, you used to actually start tearing up and saying, and it's so difficult for me when I fail you. Um, like it, I feel this, the difficulty when I fail at anything, but especially with you, because I know how hard it is for you and this, but the way you are articulating was pointing to a deeper pain in you of feeling like taking on the identity of a failure mm. at different and how yeah. you've done that for a lot of your life and how you've done that in our marriage. And I, as you were talking, I recognized within myself, me going, Oh no, Oh no, 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 no. Uh, Cause I knew that you talking about this identity of feeling like a failure is a good thing that will eventually lead to you getting healing in this area so that you don't take on more than is yours. And I was so scared. I was like, I don't want this to change. I don't want her to stop feeling like a failure when she just, dis- when she, oh, her actions are, are result in me being disappointed. I don't want that to change. Because? And, and I articulate, I, it was in a moment where I articulated this thing that I've always known because this mm. has happened before. And I was like, wait, you don't want her to, to feel better. You don't want her to have healing and mm. feel better. And I, my natural reaction in that moment was I, I, I actually was looking at myself from like 10, 15 feet away and going, ugh. That's so gross that you want her to feel like a failure and the healing that you know she needs that you would want for literally anyone else you don't want for her. Gross. That's that's such a bad husband thing to want. Uh-huh. And I saw I could I was just very and it was that was also a very familiar feeling. And then being suddenly like really judgmental. Being you know just like wow, that's a pretty shitty husband move. Like you're a piece of shit. And I, I could see myself. And then suddenly, um, a year and a half worth of counseling, like creeped in with a, a still small voice, which you could probably call the Lord. And it goes, Hey, why don't you try curiosity instead of contempt right now? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay. So I stopped and in my mind, and I was like, okay, I'm not going to beat myself up for this. I'm just going to get curious. And so I said, Hmm, that's really interesting. I use the word interesting a lot to actually p- start to peak curiosity, but I do need to actually engage curiosity rather than just say the word interesting. But I began to go in this moment, go, that's really interesting. You want her to feel like a failure. Um, and that that's really interesting. And then you also don't want her to like, there's something that's very scary about her um, no longer taking ownership for a lot of these things and no longer feeling like a failure. Mm. There's something scary about that. That's really interesting. I wonder what's happening there. And throughout the course of this class, as it would like surface in my mind, I just got more and more curious. And what I realized at, by the end of this class was, uh, when, when Jenna feels like a failure, I feel like my pain is validated 
And mm-hmm. the idea of her no longer feeling like a failure scares me because I'm afraid that I will not be taken care of, that I will be Left in pain. Alone. Yeah, oh. the image that I began to drum up, I was like, what? Well, what would happen if she did? Again, this curiosity, what would happen if she actually did get healing? What, do, what am I afraid would happen? And the image I had in my head was me being in legitimate pain and you looking at me with a still face and going, that's your problem, not mine, mm-hmm. and walking away. And that was utterly terrifying for me. And I, I was scared. I realized I'm scared to be alone in pain. I'm scared that I'm, I'm going to be abandoned by her if this ever stops. And so it's, you had learned that this is how you get witness in your pain. Yes. And I also, yeah, in doing that curiosity, it was like, I bet I do this to more people than just Jenna. And I bet I have done this for mm. the majority of my life. And again, I had you I had an opportunity to go like, well, you've sucked for a long time, mm. but instead ga- engaging kindness and curiosity allowed me to go, wow, that's really interesting. I wonder where that came from. And so anyways, this allowed me to go, okay, I'm not, it's not that I suck. It's that I'm scared mm. of being abandoned. And that's actually a really tender place that I want to take care of. And so mm. I knew this needed to kind of get out into the light. So me and Jenna drove home and I turned to you and said, Hey, I discovered this thing. And I explained it all to you. And it was cool. Cause he did it in a way that was so tender and got to the point of his pain that like something that could have been potentially really almost like angering for me to mm-hmm. be like, wow, you've been, so this isn't been in my brain. You've on some level been doing this. Yeah. I've been marriage. putting out the vibes of you failed, you failed for so long, but because you, you got to the point of like being afraid of being alone in your pain. It didn't hit me. Like it was so the Lord and your journey and whatever, but like it didn't hit me at all. It was like, I was a third party in the scenario. I wasn't mm. the victim of the crime. I was able to just hear your pain and be like, I am so sorry you've had that pain. Yeah. And you responded to me in a way that felt so comforting. You're like, wow, that would be really scary to, to think that the possibility of something changing in me could result in you being abandoned. Like that sounds, being abandoned is a really scary thought and feeling. And I felt so cared for and comforted in that moment um, that actually I believe began to um, and is beginning to, because this was only like, I don't know, a few weeks to a month ago, began beginning to shift something in my brain that goes, maybe I will be okay if this changes in her, maybe Mm. I won't be abandoned. And so Mm. um, that, that moment happens and it was really cool. And it was, it wasn't the healing. It was the big, I believe the beginning of healing for both me and you. Yeah. Can Um, can I say something about me? Yeah. So like when you said that, then it was all of a sudden, like I realized like, Oh, I have learned this. Why, why do I feel like I fail? Why do I feel like when I, do something wrong and someone else is disappointed or their expectation of me wasn't met. I go to this dramatic identity statement of I failed. Like that's the only conclusion is that my shortcomings, I'm not enough. I'll never be enough. Like, why is it so dramatic? And realizing like, Oh, like it's because I've learned from a little girl that I get punished when I make a mistake. Therefore, like I'm always punished. And then like, because when I make it, when I'm a shortcoming or make a mistake, there's no room for Jenna to make mistakes. It's like, it is this failing. It's high stakes. The outcome of relationship on the other thing, like with relationship gets withdrawn or yeah, just whatever the punishment looked like. So then to all of a sudden 
I then fast forward and like that was my, you know, experience as a little kid. And then I chose a husband that not on purpose, but has reinforced this idea of when I make a mistake, I'm punished because I failed. And it's like rooted. So then what in me it resulted in is when you share pain in the past, I actually couldn't hold a space. I had a hard time holding a space to just hear your pain in a neutral third party, like when it's not about me, because this identity, huge trigger in me of I failed, I'm not enough, would get flared. And I was like, felt like I was on trial. I'm like, no, 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 I didn't fail. And I like couldn't yeah. listen because I was so triggered with the like, I'm not bad, I'm not bad. And then getting punished like reinforces that I'm bad. So yeah. then like the idea of like, oh, I can take myself out of that. And it's almost like I'm actually able, the opposite is true or the opposite is happening than what we thought. Like you're not getting abandoned. I'm actually be able, being able to be with you in a different way because I'm no longer, I'm working on my trigger of an identity statement when I don't meet, when you have pain. Because it's actually not an identity statement about me. I didn't fail. I can just hear your pain. Right. And there's there's been times in the past where I would share pain and because it would trigger that mechanism in you, that it would get some a hit off of. Um, it would though, you would begin to share like also switch to your pain because you're like, I feel like such a failure. And then I, I would have to start taking care of you. So the opposite was actually happening. Yeah. And I didn't, and I never even like put two and two together. Like, Oh, now I have to take care of, uh, well, you would get upset, you know, I like, would, I would and then I would be like, it. I failed again. Cause I made it about me. <laughs> so yeah. like reinforced it. And it was just a, a feedback Cycle. loop. Um, but what you said in the car was you actually, so you kind of, did the connection codes using some verbal cues to make me feel to like help me feel like you understood what I was going through. And you actually, the words you reiterated was, wow, that would be really scary to be abandoned. It was literally what I said, but I felt like, Oh, she gets it. Um, and then you started tearing up and you said, man, I have so much compassion for little Jenna who has learned this her entire life and picked a husband who's done the same. And you you stopped yourself real quick and were like, I'm not trying to make you feel bad about this. And I could, I had the, the option, like the choose your own adventure. Yeah, choose option, a, could you choose a fence in this I, moment? I had the option to choose a fence. I recognized her pretty quickly and was able to go, Nope, I'm going to, I'm going to step into compassion with her for her little self and, mm. and do it as a, a neutral third party, almost like being the scientist for you going, Oh, that's really interesting. You did. You chose a husband who agreed with your inner critic that you are a failure, and you were tearing up because you had genuine compassion for yourself, which has come a long way from how you used to feel. And then I started tearing up because I had compassion for the part of you that is little and still um, trying to trying to find a way out of punishment from others by punishing yourself. And it was just a beautiful moment of both of us being taken care of and like introducing opening the door to a journey of healing that has been needed for a long time in both of us. And the doorway was kindness and curiosity. Mm. If I had taken, or it was the key, you know, it was the key. And if I had taken that moment of where I realized the art, I began to articulate the knowing that was unarticulated for so long in my life, in our marriage, if I had taken that moment to just go, dude, you suck. Like you need to change that. Stop it. I would not have got to the deeper, more vulnerable piece that is scared. 
and I would have, that would have been suppressed even lower and it would have come out in other more subtle, probably subtle, not so subtle ways eventually. It reminds me when you put too much Play-Doh in a mold for Play-Doh and instead of making the thing, it squirts out the sides and yeah. goes, and you're like, this is not the shape at all I was going for, but yeah. like it go, it'll go somewhere else. The yeah, math, it, it exists. Act, it, it can't not, it doesn't disappear. Yeah. And so shame would have would have covered that up would have hid it would have covered in another layer of hiddenness Mm. the fear of abandonment that i have the fear that my pain isn't valid and i will be unknown the rest of my life which is a self-fulfilling prophecy because if you hide it i can't know you in it right and shame would have caused that to be even worse and so this is why it's so important and we've seen this in other ways but it was just like the most um, clear, tangible, tangible way that I've seen curiosity benefit us as opposed to going to shame. It's cool because I remember the whole thing conversation was about 15 minutes because mm-hmm. we had to go to something next and it was in the car and it, all these things that I'm like, this was a, like a milestone marker in our marriage. Like it feels like uncovering the foundation that we've been operating on top of, like our city has been built on mm-hmm. if that's our marriage for 13 years. And all of a sudden we're like, Oh, there's, there's limestone in this foundation. I did not know that. Wow. Okay. But like um, to do it in 15 minutes without anyone getting triggered and like the ramifications of how big of a discovery this is. I think it's just so, I was so proud of us. I'm like, we've done the work to get here to be able to handle it well. So something so big can only be 15 minutes. But then the flip side is like in the past, I think I used to need a solution. So what are we going right. to do about it? Like, so we opened the, we found the key and it opened the door and now we're looking at this whole new world. Like, wow. Okay. But instead of being like, okay, now we have to solve it now being like, we're on, like, I felt like we can take hand our hand and trust. We've built enough trust in our connection and our marriage that we'll sort, we'll the journey to come. We can trust ourselves mm-hmm. to do it well. And we're not going to, we're not going to stop. It's not going to end here, but it's not going to be finished here too. Yeah. And that that's so good. It, the It is such a temptation to go, okay, stop it now. Yeah. Or, or solve this now in this moment. Right. And in reality, um, there is the, the fear of abandonment and the fear that my pain will be unheard and therefore I will be unknown um, is more than something I can just go um, stop it too. And it's actually a deeper part of my brain that actually needs some um, attention and tenderness. And then I actually have to build awareness around, oh, I'm doing that thing again. Okay, really interesting what's happening. But I I get a chance to introduce safety into a place that hasn't felt safe. Like my pain being invalidated and me being unknown is a very scary, unsafe place. And therefore I've used all these mechanisms. So I, I can begin to introduce safety in which I am able to go, okay, it's possible that I could be okay without um, her feeling like a failure. Yeah. I think that's possible. And like just a slow process can actually be okay. Yeah. Yeah. One- I think to me, it's like the difference of like up until recently in our marriage, I would feel safe. Like we'd feel one of these big things. Of, okay. What are we going to do about it? Like I was so solution oriented and the idea of like looking for a quick fix where it's like, actually when you discover something like this or most of the things, if you've learned it, it's been your tool for are yeah. you 34, 35. 34 34 years the unlearning it's not a quick fix it's an unlearning and when you think about unlearning you give it time and you give it space to be on one and um one of the metaphors is like if you get a rope a tangled rope you don't go to the middle and be like 
shake it like one shake you and don't it's gonna find be a piece in the middle of the knot and try to pull it as out. hard as you can you're like that's actually so you have to follow it's like a journey untangling so that's how i think of like okay we discovered this huge knot let's begin the untangling yeah. but the expectation of slowly unfolding because you're learning and giving yourself grace um it's like we just became aware it's not going to be a quick fix but then mm-hmm. also i think i used to feel hopeless if it wasn't an evident quick fix i'm like no that my hope isn't that i can trust us yeah. to untangle this it's not in having an immediate solution yeah and i kind of think of it um and how the Israelites were enslaved for 400 years and they were in the wilderness for 40. And the goal of the, I, I believe the goal of the wilderness in all of its squiggly lines, if you look at the map in the back of the Bible, like they took this very winding journey when it would, could have been a very straight process. But the goal of that was it took 40 years for them to unlearn as a people, as a nation, 400 years of slavery mm-hmm. so that they, when they walk into the promised land, they actually know how to govern themselves rather than being a, uh, listening to a slave master. And so the mm-hmm. same is true when it comes mm-hmm. to our healing. I believe we would love for it to be this linear straight path, <laughs> but in, I think it's his mercy that we, we take time to unlearn so for me, it's going to take time to unlearn the 34 years of learning that I had. It's not going to take 34 more years though, but yeah. that's, I think that's it's God's, re- of the time. that's God's redemptive power Ooh. is that what took 400 years to learn takes 40 years to unlearn. And you know, a tenth, that is a 10th. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what it, it's funny. Cause we like, again, the being okay with the process. We're like, Oh, like if it's not, it almost, I feel like in our culture, we've, we say we're okay with the process, but we really think like three months versus like right. a three year or 10 year process. Like Dave and Jules Hills, like, Oh, like almost on some level, if it takes 10 years, you think, Oh, but God didn't show up for me. Or where was God? Right. You're like, but no, like what if this takes you three years, you know, a 10th of the time to untangle 3.4 3. years, Yeah, 3.4 <laughs> years, but it took you 34 years. Like, Oh, the 10th, 10th thing, the process is his yeah. power. And even if it takes longer, yeah. it's okay. The, the, the re the reality is that it, there's hope in it and it's not going to take you a, a lifetime to undo. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty and how God works and like how he's made our brains to work is what took a long time to get there will take time to undo, but it won't take the same amount. Thankfully. It's also, um, it's interesting because that was one of the biggest takeaways from this class was how like you can have tools but if the like the goal isn't to use the tools well, it's to like connection. So for me thinking like when we discover some pain, the goal isn't actually to find a solution. It's to um, connection in the process. Mm-hmm. So I think that's been a big mind shift for me is like my hope isn't tied to us finding the answer as soon as we find the problem. My hope is in trusting our connection in the process and I can trust it. I can trust you. I can trust our connection and pursuing connection, like doing the things that will actually get us connected, stay connected, which makes me think about some of the ways that you've um, introduced kindness into your life started with kind of decoupling, um, needing an external force to make you fill you with joy and being able to find it within. Can you talk about that? Yeah. You say sometimes when you say things that I've been saying and they're so much more articulate, I'm like, oh Aaron Zent, you wordsmith. <laughs> but I'm very grateful for it. Um actually sometimes when we preach together, I'll like say these 
eight sentences that are kind of like blah, 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 and then I don't actually like land the plane as Aaron said because I'm like I don't know how to summarize that and then he comes out and like beautifully summarizes it in one sentence and I'm like yep <laughs> that's it that's where I was going thanks babe um so in the me using kindness and uh uncoupling external forces <laughs> to find joy I just realized so one I'm an Enneagram seven so our nature like our natural bent is to chase is to be gluttonous and always chasing the more never being content um thinking of always how could this be better not wanting to get trapped or limited like all these things and in me um choosing kindness of like as we've talked about like me trying to get some breakthrough with using sugar as my coping mechanism you know sugar is my porn in doing that i in my like doing some of my habits goals that I've been realizing I I was digging and following the curiosity of what's really leading this and feeding this and I realized like oh like I am actually whenever I'm choosing sugar a lot of the time I'm trying to upgrade my current mood I'm trying to either become unhappy or become happier or become unsad or unoverwhelmed or not uncomfortable or anxious like the opposite so I'm like using sugar was this one hit wonder for all of my solutions in my life and it wasn't actually serving me one but then two like realizing like what's actually under it like oh I'm constantly choosing like I'm not content I'm actually never content I'm on this journey of chasing happy or chasing the happy upgrade but like I'm not good with like on a scale of one to 10, I'm not good with the five moments. And then I'm I'm always thinking about how could this make a seven? And that's partially where food where I'm like, oh, you know what? This is awesome. Or having all my friends over at my house and being in our pool would be awesome. But if I had epic snacks, that would really be awesome. So then too, like realizing as like the Lord kind of showed me so much curiosity of like, why do I think that? Like, or why is, you know, what is the fruit of that, like always thinking about upgrading. He's like, you're always so future thinking that you're actually kind of missing, you miss the now. So while I'm sitting in the backyard, pushing my kids on the swing, I'm thinking, how could this be better? How could this be more fun? How could this like, what would the upgrade be? And then I'm all of a sudden on my phone with Amazon being like, I bet I could find a bubble machine. Like I bet a bubble machine would make this more fun. They'd be chasing them. It'd be more joy. Like I think my like constantly chasing upgrade, upgraded happiness was not like, it wasn't always selfish, but like um, the idea of like, oh, but, but then I was missing the moment of pushing my kids on the swing because I was on Amazon and yeah, I was for my kids, but like can now be enough. So it started me on this, like, oh, I want to actually make a habit, not around food, but on the around, like I can be content. Like, so I did a contentment fast where I realized like my kind of mantra was well, you weren't fasting contentment. No, no. Where I was fasting other things for realizing, like stopping to, ch- I was fasting, chasing upgrades. In reality, what fasts are for is to per- actually pursue something, um, is to stop something in order to pursue something else. And so you were doing the best kind of fast, which is not just like uh, removing something. It was for the purpose of pursuing something better. It almost reminded me of like a detox of like I was constantly trying to find hyper stimulants for the moments where then the Lord was like, can these moments be enough? Instead of chasing the seven, eight, nine epic level moments can you be happy with the five and the fours and the lord just like i had this little mantra that came out of it of they are enough and thinking about aaron and the kids um he is enough 
which God, and then I am enough, which there's this whole identity component, and then now is enough. And then, so when I found myself, it was almost like this bunny or this dog chasing a squirrel. I wouldn't even know my brain was going there. Or it'd be off on how I could do upgrade. But like, oh, like I would bring myself back in and kind of put a hand on my chest and be like, now is enough. Now is beautiful. And it was almost like instead of saying now is happy, now is wonderful, like beauty encompassed a lot more, you know, for me. Um, so anyways, I've been doing it. It was actually funny. I chose to do it right after, after I realized that like, a lot of my what was driving me to my coping coping mechanisms instead of being judgmental about I still was choosing them sometimes or more often than I wanted being curious of like what's actually driving him if I actually deal with the root of whatever's under here like out of kindness figure out the root I wonder how much more luck I would have or not luck like breakthrough that's the better yeah. word so anyways um I start, it was like my reverse lint I started the day after Easter and just implemented some of the practical things of oh, like well I decided that. I wasn't going to snack and I wasn't going to shop because in the thing constantly dwelling, like I didn't truly now without taking snacking off the table. So I've, um, I'm an optivia coach. So like we do time, like timed eating is part of it to keep your blood sugar balanced. But then I realized like, Oh, what if I leaned into it where like, instead of doing it for blood, balanced blood sugar, I'm like, Hey, you don't actually need to think about when you're going to eat next. Your alarm will go off. So almost automating it. So that wasn't how much of my attention span and mental energy was going toward. It was shocking to figure out how to see when it was like, when I didn't need to focus on what I was going to eat next to see how much time, like, well, what am I going to do with this brain space? Like, what am I going to be thinking about now? Like what else is there to think about if I'm not thinking about my next fix, you know? Um, so automating it for having like, well, my, like, Oh, my timer ring. Okay. And then I have my, you know, protein bar or my little pre-decided morning snack. Um, anyway, so it was no snacking for that. And then no shopping. Cause I realized how much of, um, again, I was like, I was always kind of chasing like my, 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 my wardrobe's awesome, but how could it be better? Like it was like this hamster wheel of, but when I find these fit high waisted wide leg, acid wash black teams then like then i'll be happy that's what jules in the uh two episodes ago said the when then game when this happens oh. then i will f- fill in the blank feel content or you know the idea is i will have reached something when then oh that's so yeah and i realized it was just this hamster wheel when i found those jeans like i obsessed or would hunt and you know all the noble things on you know, the different apps, the different websites, and then be on sale and I'd get them for $7. But then I realized like, I'm actually spending a large chunk of my life. Like if I want more time, I got so much more time back in this contentment fast because I wasn't obsessing over shopping, online shopping and snacking or food. Like I automated them. Like, so I just did no shopping, which was great for a budget, which was, I felt like at the challenge, the Lord was like, okay, like if you need, like you need to spend less too, like you can either begrudge and bemoan it the whole time or like lean into it and find freedom in it. It can either be a restriction or it can be a mechanism that allows for more freedom. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually probably been the interesting thing with the last month. I have been so much more present with my kids, like a tune. Like I was telling Aaron at one point, like, I feel like I'm catching glances in their eyes of like when Wesley's proud of himself after a moment or like pain in Audrey's eyes or like, the flash of rage and Rosie's before she acts out. And I'm like, how am I so much more? And I'm like, Oh, as I'm not, as I've, it's almost like my brain was a plate. And have I cleared off this food obsession 
and the shopping obsession, the more, like the always the upgrading the moment and was just content. I actually had room to be here now, which was, it sounds so much be- deeper, but like it, I found so much freedom and like peace and calm in it. And then even too, with you, like, I feel like I'm heard as I've cleared off white, white space in my brain, I can hear the Lord. Like, wouldn't you say that I talk about what Jesus said to me? 10 times more in the last few months, even, but especially in the last month than you normally do. And you've always had a relationship with him, which you'd hear him, but it's been way more explosive. I wanted to ask, what are some of the things that, so you, you definitely gave up some things like, I'm not going to shop, I'm not going to do this. And then you had a mantra, but what would it look like incorporating that into your daily life? And what I, I would walk in on you doing some things in the morning that was um, contributing towards contentment. Yeah. So that was cool. Cause I kind of like, it's interesting. It's funny, but like in the past, if anyone had said that they gave up shopping or called to fast, I'd almost be like, <laughs> actually I, I would do that. Literally. <laughs> I was very, is that mature. judgment? Yeah. Like judgment or gross. That's religious. But I think like the difference is like when it's coming out of like, I want to like, it felt like a kind experiment. It didn't feel like a judge of what I should. I'm like, I actually felt like going into this month. I'm like, what? Would, it, would I be possibly happier with the idea of giving up these things? Is there actually more happiness in other things that are true contentment and actually breed an internal joy rather than joy that I find from external circumstances? So like mm. it was, it felt like this permission of a kind experiment. I'm like, and I actually on the table, I'm like, it might not. And you can quit if it doesn't. But if it does, wouldn't that be interesting? Like, so me like feeling boxed in, I actually felt like freedom in it to be like, let's try it out. Like, what if there's more on that side rather than, uh, yeah. So, and then in that, it's been interesting because at first, like maybe I would say, oh, I wouldn't, someone else calling me to fast or whatever, hearing it be like, I feel so limited. Like I'm going to be restricted, limited. It feels religious, like all these things. But what I've discovered is like, oh, actually the truth is the other day I was on my run <laughs> and I was like before when I was like so focused on sugar being my only coping mechanism and obsessing over it and all the things like now that I don't have sugar, now that it's not an option, I have so much more options. It's because sugar was my only option before. It was like my only go-to where now I am um, talking to the Lord more. I Some of the things I've been doing is taking naps in the sun, like when I feel overwhelmed or need it, like some of the, um, I, it's actually made me explore other things that make me find rest. Um, and I've been doing habits to experiment and what actually, I'm like, oh, I only for my only option for reward in my arsenal when I like open up that file in my brain is sugar my only option for stress in my brain when I opened up that file was sugar my only option for anxiety was sugar and now being like I bet there's other things that I used to have before sugar was my only answer so now it's like I feel like I have I went on this journey and like I could talk more about it it was like through habits and experimenting and stuff like that Um, but like what other options do I have so now I feel like I have five options for relaxing I have seven options for fun and reward and I have um, anxiety or processing pain, I have, you know, like 10 options. So it's like, oh, I actually found that in putting down sugar, I, it is not restrictive. I have broadened 
my tools and options, which is so like Jesus, right? Like live to die. All the, it's so reversed, like what I had felt, but I've actually found so much more freedom and so many, it's brought in my like definition and tools and resources. It's been so life-giving actually. And even having to untangle my identity of like, who am I? If like, I am fun. I am like, actually that was a part, like if I don't have snacks to offer people, like, will I still be fun? Will I still be community building? Like, I've always thought that a big piece of that is like consuming, you know, like having snacks to like to offer people and then be like, I, I just felt like the Lord was like, hmm, I wonder, like if we're curious about this, I wonder if pe- you can create environments and events that people leave feeling just as connected and leave feeling just as full and known if there isn't popcorn. And it was funny, but when I said it, when I said if there wasn't popcorn, that feels like a, oh yeah, like popcorn, sure. But then if you say no food, that felt higher stakes. Like that felt like it was taking a connection off the table. But like usually what it was, was popcorn that I would bring to things. Be like, oh yeah, I don't think anyone has left any of my events feeling more known because of the popcorn that I added. (laughs) (laughs) Like, which is funny. But when you, I had just had it as this absolute as my identity. And then like, um, yeah, so I've been, I just have been, what I've been saying, like, so what started as a month of contentment, but now I'm untangling the idea that contentment and consumption and connection are all correlated. I can be content and I can be connected if I'm not consuming. Mm -hmm. And that actually kind of, that's where this whole backpacking camping trip um, came from where it's funny because we've, so we've backpacked camp once um, before we, our baby moon was backpacking in Hawaii and then on a poly coast. If you've never been a thousand percent, you should do it. On the Island of Kauai. It's so epic. So we did that and that was awesome and wonderful. Then the next time we did something locally, a couple years later, I did not like it and I was like bored. And it's funny because now I'm like, oh, I probably was so, I'm so, was so in the middle of my hyper consuming, needing X, like, what did you call it? Like almost hyper. Um, you need an external, um, ex- something on the external to generate internal joy. joy. Yeah. So I couldn't find joy in the simpleness of backpacking because I had used um, hyper it's called stimulation. A super normal stimulus. Yes. So like examples of stu- super normal stimulus are porn screens, like, you know, Netflix, social media, sugar. So big, it, big Macs. Yeah. Big Macs. <laughs> it reminds me of like, if you eat ice cream and then try to eat an apple, it feels like, Ugh, like that's if you so drink soda boring. and then you try to drink water. You're like, God, water is horrible. So that's how I felt about backpacking. So then when our anniversary, and when I went on the second time we went, so I was like, oh, it's boring and horrible and limiting. And anyways, but I didn't, I hadn't thought about it being a sign of my internal world, needing external stuff to be happy. I'm like, oh, can I be happy just sitting with Jenna and Aaron? So that being said, when we were thinking about what we could do for our anniversary, I was like, hmm, I wonder if I could take this a step further. Like it felt like an experiment. So whatever we did for our because we've been doing dates that aren't like we've been un- not having consume consumption on our dates. So whether because normally it would be for me, especially it would be go out to eat because I love going out to eat. And so if we, the moment and was like, what if we didn't go out to eat and instead we like went on a walk? I was like, that sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But for the last like couple months we've been doing, it's been fun. I think it's been helpful having budget be some of the motivation. It's like, actually I would say it's just layered benefit really of like we're saving money and we're untangling consumption with our connection, you know? So we've done walks, bike rides. We've just literally gone and sat sat on benches, which a year ago 
would have been like, no. Yeah, neither miserable. of us would have. If we did go sit on a bench, we I would have brought some whiskey and you would have brought a pack of gummy worms. Yeah, <laughs> it's so true. And we probably would have made it all 20 minutes before we walked out, <laughs> walked away. So this idea is of our internal, we've made white space in our worlds and kind of slow down the pace and not needing these hyper stimulants. We've found connection so much. So when we were looking for anniversary thing we decided to go i was like what if we went backpacking and we didn't buy any food and we didn't go out to eat and we did no screen time and that was enough i think my internal world is healthy enough and at a spot where that could be enough and what if it's an experiment where if like we go and it feels a little less fun i didn't fail or i don't feel i don't actually feel the anxiety of it needing like we're connected enough that it's we're not starving for connection like it could be it could work. It could not work. It felt like really low stakes. Anyways, it's been phenomenal. Yeah. My favorite was we hiked up to the second lake and stood on that rock and stretched. And like the- we actually sat in silence for oh, probably true. about 15 minutes before we stretched and then we stretched and there's no. Yeah. And then one of my favorite, like almost like little testimonies to myself, the growth that I've been experiencing is that for dinner, well, one, we didn't buy any extra. I know ne- I we always just took buy what extra. was in our house. And as we were cooking, we cooked bratwurts, some, they were tasty ones. And then I had, so for dinner we had bratwurts and a bag. I had a bag of um, cucumbers and I was happy. You guys, this is such a testimony. Pure, I, pure, pure, pure. What? I was like, Oh my gosh. I actually had the, the other morning on this run. I was with, talking with Jesus. All of a sudden I was, I started yelling, sugar, you are a liar. You have been lying to me that I can't be happy without you, that I can't feel connected or like that I can't, joy is not possible if I give you up. It's like this heightened anxiety. Like that should have been my like red flag from the beginning that it was a lying trigger when I felt anxiety about not having it. I'm like, I am happier and content and more connected with my husband and myself and with God when I have like broken up with you. <laughs> Sorry, Holy <laughs> Spirit. But like, I just feel this like, all these hyper, what did you call them again? Hyper stimulants? Super normal. Super normal stimulants are been lying to us that intimacy is found through porn, that comfort is found through um, sugar, that rest is found through Netflix or identity is found through social media. I just feel this like aggression of like, oh, like what if actual, there are five more options. They don't have to be my options. Like when Aaron's been doing this for himself, like I don't have the expectation that he's going to find new tools and new habits that are meeting the needs of you know in his life like they're gonna look different they're gonna look different for you than they're gonna look for me but like the idea that they're the only ones they're just the easiest it almost reminds me of the fast food version of our culture for these core needs that we have what if we went back to like whole food versions to get those right. need met you know anyway so it's been a wonderful experiment and i'm like oh i feel like excited to be like where else in my life can i untangle consuming with content contentment and con- connection with the kids i want to go after it this summer we're actually playing around with the idea of canceling our sub- hulu and netflix subscriptions and at first i'm like ah because with the kids like i can manage me but like knowing that this will affect them it's like two it feels twice as hard but i feel like i have enough like oh it's just an experiment it could we could try it for a month and it doesn't work it feels lower stakes like i'm trying i've experiment like i've permission to change and not fail if mm-hmm. changing doesn't mean fail but how much i've seen the breakthrough and seen the fruit in my own life i'm like what if that's that there's more what if there's more freedom available with connection with my kids when we're not consuming together mm-hmm. i noticed sitting up on that rock i 
I was doing the same thing because I would normally take whiskey here, which is not a bad thing. Like I'll, I'll take whiskey on another. Oh, you didn't I, take it. I, I didn't, didn't think I was. I was like, uh, cause I really do enjoy it and I don't get drunk when I drink it. But I was like, uh, okay, experiment. I'm going to try it. I mean, I also didn't go buy a bunch of snacks. Like I brought enough to eat for, I probably brought like, I brought two little bagels that I was like, just in case. Yeah. And so far I haven't needed them. I'll probably eat them on the <laughs> before we leave. But nonetheless, we're sitting up on that rock. I realized, oh, I haven't eaten since lunch. And it's probably like six o'clock at that point. And I'm just like, a smile kind of spread across my face, not because I was recognizing that I didn't do something, but because I was fully able to uh, enjoy the moment. And in Dopamine, Dopamine Nation, Dr. Anna Lemke talks about the supernormal stimulus starts to shut down your receptors that would normally pick up the dopamine. Um, and therefore, every normal stimulus is so uh, can't actually get you to the same level of experience that the supernormal stimulus does. And so actually removing the supernormal stimulus. It's like a detox on the supernormal It is. It really stimulus. is. Yeah. And it allows your receptors, it gives it time to turn back on. And you actually can, and I've heard guys say this in group, they'll go, wow, I, I just noticed how blue the sky was. I noticed like there were different lines in the rocks that I never noticed before. The trees were so tall. And it, for me sitting on that, I was like, this is such a beautiful scene. And the air is so crisp and the birds actually sound really pretty. And I'm able to receive all that because I have given my, I've experimented enough with res, uh, putting down the bigger things, the things that would like I naturally I would take a, a flask of whiskey here or I would have um, something. I would also have my version of a snack, which would be a bag of chips. Uh, and that would quote unquote heighten the experiment experience. But what it would do is actually numb me to normal life. And I would could you actually because in my brain, if I had some tastier snacks with like I would in the past when we were hiking I would be thinking about it waiting for me back at the yeah. campground versus how I wasn't thinking. It was like, again, it gave me my brain back. It feels like, you right. know, like, cause I was present and here now on the hike, not thinking about the reward to come. Like yeah. the hike was the reward. Yeah. The moment was the now is the reward. Yes. The experience. And I actually real at one point realized, Oh, I'm getting a headache. I have low blood sugar cause I haven't eaten. And <laughs> yeah. so, so I'm like, okay, this is part of the experiment where I get to iterate and go, you know what? Revise I, it. I probably do need a, some sort of a snack because I know I'm more prone to headaches. So that's okay. You know? Yeah. And it's cool. Cause even like with the grand experiment of like, can we felt connected, content, could it feel like a win? Can I feel refreshed from backpacking with no extra food and no, you know, extra, extra. We literally sat and we talked a lot. We sat in a lot of silence. We both took naps. It was like so unstructured, but togetherness and withness. And I've never, I don't think I've ever had a trip with you that I feel more connected with you present, like on the same page. And I'm like, oh my gosh, not only did it work and it wasn't terrible it was like the best <laughs> and it didn't it may have cost us um like 30 bucks in gas to get up That's here the only thing you guys i feel so sorry i feel so proud like a shine moment of ourselves like oh we're doing it babe yeah i was gonna say too just with y'all for this summer like for our listeners thinking through like 
not like a would never I think the point of it is like it needs to be let out of kindness but like almost like what did you used to do that you used to love that brought you rest or contentment like a five or ten minute thing like taking um eating your lunch outside by your you know in the sun or putting a blanket in the backyard while your kids play and like resting or reading a book or whatever or taking Aaron started taking a 10 minute walk in the morning not for exercise but to get out to like kind of reset for the day how else what else would you say that you yeah and it was I I used to do that in high school take walks and really enjoy it and I just hadn't done that in years so I guess my challenge would not be to be like call anyone to a fast because that was like step 10 of my journey I think like and the idea of like, I think introducing other tools, finding, going on this journey and discovery and experiment out of kindness of what other options do you have? Like tiny habits could you do that could be rewarding, that could replace or could be restful, that could be, um, yeah, which, like, what did we call it when we, um, or we get dysregulated, that could be regulating mm-hmm. you, like when you feel, and going on this journey of discovering it this summer and adding, instead of restricting, actually adding more options to your tool belt and mm-hmm. in your arsenal. And if it's helpful and like, and you want to experiment with it, you can restrict stuff like, you know what? This week, I'm just not going to get on social media. It's not because social media is bad. It's not because I'm bad with it. Yeah. It's because I'm going to try something. See, it's almost like you're well, like seeing what grows. Like when that's not on the, in the room or in the environment, what else grows? What is it overtaking that I didn't know was there? You know? Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, almost making space for other things to see like, and then like maybe it comes back, but oh yeah, it's been so good. Mm. Oh, one last thing. So if you uh, have liked an episode, we would love it if you'd share our podcast with someone from this season. It's just so helpful and kind. And it's been so fun for us to like meet new people, dialogue, interact with them on Instagram or email. We are offering coaching through the summer. So one-on-one, I do coaching. I do personal coaching. I do habit coaching. I do health coaching. Aaron does um, one-on-one. We offer marriage coaching together. So there's a lot of options that are on our website, which is zintsquad.com. And then the other thing is our season finale party that I really want you to come to if you're local. Heck, if you're an hour away, drive in. It'll still be fun. Um, Angelo and Mackenzie, I know they're going to drive in for about an hour away. So you're invited to. It's going to be um, June 3rd, 2022 at our house. DM us. Text us for the address. Anything else? Missing? We're going to take the summer off. We're going to take the summer off. That's why the season finale. Um, and then we're we're just going to enjoy. And then by the time we get back to season three, we will be excited to do it. Yeah. And not be having a hard time finding spots. It's, it's almost like, oh, like, I feel like maybe I thought before we failed, but I'm like, no, there's a seasonality to life. And there's a seasonality to flow where I like the summer to have more of a focus on the family and just a focus on different things. But actually, we are going to next season probably have more episodes where we're talking more and not interviewing so like i'm not saying it's gonna be 50 50 aaron's looking at me but i'm like like, don't promise things we've we've already said that we wanted to have a bit more so whatever that looks like maybe one percent more (laughs) one percent more i can agree to that (laughs) if you want more text aaron to tell him (laughs) anyways we love you guys it's been such a great season yeah thanks for sticking around with us thanks to uh uh Ecuador and Singapore 
and oh yeah the, all the paraguay. fun countries paraguay all of our listeners in paraguay we don't even introduce uh, yourself we want to get to know you. yeah no i'm the reason i picked singled out those countries is because we've uh our podcast is uh, charted in those countries specifically recently we, we look at the chart rankings every week and it's been like paraguay who's there a lot of ecuador though like ecuador yeah. has been on the map and the charts for almost the entire season which is crazy so thanks everyone i mean if you're outside of those you know thank you for listening as well but fun fact we're uh, after we turn this off we are going to pack up our put out our fire pack up our equipment fill up our water bottles take down our hammocks and hike down the mountain yep it'll be wonderful it'll be wonderful i love you babe i love you till next year everybody (laughs) 